So the fourth chapter of John, and we have saw in this chapter Jesus was going from Jerusalem back to His home country of Galilee, and on His way He passed through Samaria. There He was weary and tired. He sat down on the well at the city of Sychar or Shechem and sent His disciples into the city to buy bread. This woman came. They had their discourse and conversation. Through that, she was persuaded that Jesus was the Christ, that this was the one that had been promised all the way back to Eve's day. He was now come. She was convinced that He was there to the place that she ran back into her city and went through the streets saying, Come and see this man that showed me all that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And those people that were in Samaria, that in Shechem, that heard her testimony. And the Bible says, and I, I think it's wonderful, if you look in verse 39, we'll pick up. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. So even John records this as not just a speech, but as a testimony. And I think I said last time, this is the same word from John chapter 1 where John the Baptist is testifying. It's to give evidence. She is being a witness and providing evidence that this man is the Son of God. Now, I think... uh, being in our day and all the gospel that we've been blessed with and heard, the weight of that statement is not truly felt like it would have been then. They had had all of the promise through the Old Testament and yet had had 400 years without a word from God. Years of darkness and no doubt doubts and wonderings and fears and all of these things through the country and some, I mean... You just go six months and some people give up, don't they? So we're talking 400 years. Generations of people have come and gone without a word from God and now here she is. She's saying, this is the one that Isaiah prophesied of. This is the one that God promised to Abraham. And her testimony is received. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on Him. Now does that mean they're saved? I realize that you read it like that, that sounds that way, but if you remember back in chapter 2, many believed on Him, but Jesus didn't believe in them. So I think you're going to have to divide that up. When I was lost as a young man, I believed on Him, but I didn't have that saving faith in Him that would come by the revelation of the Spirit. But this woman's testimony was enough that they believed what she was saying and they believed it enough that in verse 39, He told me all that ever I did. 40, So when the Samaritans were come unto Him, they besought Him that He would tarry with them and He abode there two days. So they believed what she was saying enough that they came out of the city to where Jesus was at and they asked Him, they besought Him, they inquired of Him to stay with them 
so that they could hear His teaching and exposition of the Bible for themselves. And I believe, you know, did her testimony save them? No, but it brought them to Him that they might be saved. And that is our testimony. As we testify of the Lord Jesus, of the Word of God, of the Holy Spirit of God, our desire from that ought to be that it would bring them to the Lord. Now, the Samaritans believed. They came out to where Jesus was. They asked Him to stay and to tarry. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 13, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. So sound words, words of wisdom from Solomon. When you've got sound teaching and doctrine and a sound word, hold on to that and keep it. Now here the Samaritans have the Lord Jesus present and their desire is that He would stay. We'd like to hear more of what you have to say. I'd like to hear more of your word. I'd like to hear more of your teaching. I would like to hear your understanding of the scriptures that we might know you. I believe this, that we might know who you really are. Is this man really the Christ? And whether that's ever really realized or not, that's what's going on day after day in people's minds and in their hearts. Is this really the Christ? So he abode there two days. The Lord was going back home. He had been to Jerusalem for the Passover feast and he was coming from the feast back home. And yet because these Samaritans rejected people, unclean people, half-breed Jews people that the real Jews had no dealings with, because they wanted him to stay, he stayed there two days. He put off his return home to be with them for two days. Now, what great mercy and compassion that our Lord has. That if there is a desire, the Lord is able to... That's saying a lot. He is able to, but more than that, He's willing to, to meet the need of the hour and the time. A lot of people may be able to help, and they ain't going to do anything, but the Lord is willing to stay, to be a benefit to the lives of these people. And then we read this, and many more believed because of His own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we've heard Him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now they're not putting down her testimony, and saying, well your testimony really wasn't all that good. But what they're saying is, we believed what you said, and now we've come, and we've heard Him for ourselves, And it's been validated to us that what you said was true. It's not based upon your words that we believe He's the Messiah. But now we've heard Him ourselves, And we know that He's the Messiah. So you think about those things. You know, it's, it's told us and we could turn to several places in Deuteronomy where you teach your children 
You talk about them at, at home. You talk about it in the way. You walk it. <coughs> you live it. It's commanded for us to do those things. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. So though we're commanded to teach these things, and the children may very well believe all of those things that you teach them. From a small age, they believe those things. And that is a wonderful benefit that a majority of the world does not have. That from an early age, sound doctrine and knowledge of the Word of God could be established in their hearts and in their minds that they might know the truth and not a lie. Our world is covered with lies. But children that have the opportunity to learn and know the truth of the Word of God, what a great blessing and benefit that it is. But knowing that and hearing that, that in itself is not enough to save them. They are going to have to, like the Samaritans did here, they believed what she said, yet they have to hear Him for their self. And so in John, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. So receiving the witness of men is good. It's right. Should be done. We are commanded to do so even with our own children. And yet recognize this, that the witness of God is far greater than anything you're able to do for them. The witness of God is necessary for them to truly know and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a difference in believing because I told you and believing because you heard Him yourself. There's a difference in believing because of the tradition of the area and believing because the Holy Ghost of God has persuaded you of that. Because if you believe by my words... Somebody smarter than me will talk you out of what I've said. But if God establishes you by the Spirit and persuades you, you're going to be like Abraham was. God had so persuaded Abraham of the promise that He had gave him that Abraham believed against hope. And he staggered not at the promise of God. He, he never once doubted what God said. Now you can say, boy, there was a real man. Or you could look at the context of Abraham's life and you could see that Abraham was such a man that he wasn't willing to say he was married to Sarah and was going to let another man lay with her. He wasn't much of a man. But I tell you what he was. God persuaded him of the truth. And when God persuades a man of the truth, it is life-changing. Things can never go back to the way they were. I can never go back into ignorance again. But now I'm persuaded by the power of God and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who attacks me or who tries to persuade me otherwise. If it's the Word of God, it's the Word of God. And so they believed because of His saying. And Paul says, when I came to Corinth to preach the gospel to you, I didn't come with 
enticing words of man's wisdom. So what's going on? Well, here is a man. He's going to sit down and think, what could I say to these people that would get them to come to the altar? And what could I say to these people that would get them to come? And what could I say to this crowd? Because everybody's different. But you know, if I sit down and think about it, well, I can preach about this, this, and this, and that'll get them in the altar. And I need to preach about this, this, and this, and that'll entice them and see we can fall into that pit. That's man's wisdom. That's not of God. That's enticement of man. Paul says, I didn't come to entice you to God, but I came preaching one thing. What did Paul preach? I believe you can see in all of the epistles what Paul preached. He preached the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now why wouldn't he want to entice people into the altar? Revivalists. I don't know if that's the right word, but that's, that's a great name for them, I believe. Revivalists, they're masters of getting people in the altar. But when they get up, their move their faith and their trust is, as Paul says here, in the wisdom of men. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. If I come to an altar because of a man, then that's where my trust is, in the man. But Paul says, I didn't come preaching like that. I preached the cross... And God did the work and the drawing. And I did that work because I wanted your faith to be in the persuasion and in the power of God and not me. So you see, I I believe we can see there the difference between believing the woman's testimony and believing the persuasion of God. Now in no way am I putting down the weight of your testimony because the Samaritans, once God persuaded them, they looked back to this woman and said, you brought us to Him and now we believe and we know what you said was the truth. That's what happens when people get right with the Lord. Those that testified to Him those that were witnesses to them, they recognize now that they were right the whole time, even though they may not have liked it at the time that it was told. But the Lord has convicted and convinced and we've heard Him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Remember John's mission. We read it at the start of the look, study through John. John said, I've wrote these things that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God. And so here, we've got, listen to this testimony now. There was no miracle done. There was no healings. There was no dead raised. There was no water into wine here in Samaria. Jesus spoke to a woman. She brought the people out. Jesus spoke to the people for two days and they saw enough evidence that they said, we know that this man is the Christ. Christ was not a last name. 
Christ was a title. You'll see in a lot of the epistles it's Christ Jesus. Christ is the anointed one, the Messiah. He's the one anointed of God to bring this salvation. We know that this is the one that God has anointed and He is the Savior of the world. He's going to die. He's not just going to die for the Jew. He's going to die that every nation under heaven might be brought into the kingdom of God. And so in John chapter 6, this is coming up and we're getting ahead of ourselves a little. But then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. If this man is the Christ, if he is the Son of the living God, if he does have the words of eternal life, then where else are we going to turn to? Think about that now. That, that's very simple. But, well, we believe that He is, and yet turn everywhere else. Now, is that real belief? Is that genuine persuasion from God? It can't be. can't be. You, you might have believed the witness of men, and a multitude have. They've been moved. They've been drawn They've been convinced. They've been uh, told by man that they were all right. And God has not done a work. Because of that, there's no life change. There's no real persuasion. There's nothing when things get dry to keep a man in there for the Lord. But here they believed. They were persuaded. And in Acts chapter 4 the Savior of the world. Well, He's going to save the whole world. That's what universalists believe. With faith or without faith, everybody's going to be saved. And do you see how easy it is to read that? Well, He's the Savior of the world. He's going to save the whole world. But if you've got to take the book together, don't you? So in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, I believe here's what He's saying there. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. So no matter what nation, no matter what country, no matter what language you speak, no matter what your lineage is, Jesus Christ is the only Savior for every man that's in the world. The Muslims don't have another place they can look and be saved. The Buddhists don't have another place they can look and be saved. That's what he's saying here when he says that Jesus is the Savior of the world. So great testimony from people that were not Jewish and did not follow the Jewish customs as it was. Here was a people that was persuaded that this man was the Son of God. So verse 43. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast. For they also went unto the feast." 
So if, if it makes it easier to understand what's going on, Galilee is like Madison County. And in Madison County, there's Hot Springs, Marshall, Mars Hill. There's communities in Laurel, Big Laurel, Middle Laurel. And so here, he's coming into Galilee. That's like the county. And in Galilee, there's cities. Jesus was brought up in Nazareth, a city in Galilee. There's also Capernaum. There's Bethsaida. There's Chorazin. There's other places. So he's coming into Galilee, and notice what it says. Jesus testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. So let's look at that just for a minute. In, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. Now, Jesus here in Matthew 13, that's the chapter of parables. He's taught all of this wisdom, all of this knowledge, and this is what they say. When he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hast this man this wisdom and mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. In Mark chapter 6, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And one more place, Luke chapter 4. It's in all four Gospels. Jesus is in Nazareth here. And He said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. So what's going on? I believe you could see it as it is here, but here was people in Nazareth that went to school with the man Jesus. They grew up in His community. Some of them were His neighbors. Some of them were, went to school with His brothers. They went to school with His sisters. They knew Joseph. Maybe Joseph worked on their house and Jesus helped in that labor. These are people that have been around Him all of His life. They know Him. They know His family. And so when He begins to teach all of these great things and this great wisdom, they stumble over it because we know this man and he's nothing. He can't be the Messiah. He growed up in dirt. He was poor just like everybody else. You know what they were looking for? A great king like David that was going to whoop the Romans. And so when he begins to teach and his ministry begins, his own country, his own city, they do not accept him. They have no acceptance of him. They have no honor for him. And it's that tie, that tie of the flesh that causes that. I believe that happens today as well. In the same way, the, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the knowledge of God that God gives. In one's home country, it's not accepted 
the same way that it is elsewhere. I don't know if you've ever seen, you've seen men that were members of a church. I've seen it a couple times. That's where they growed up. That's where they've always went. They take it to pastor and it, it never turns out good. I've not seen one that turned out good. Do you know why that is? Because it's different. It's different because we know Him. We've grown up with Him. He's preaching that because it's Him. And it's different than if it was a man from another place. So that's the way it is with Jesus. His own country are offended at Him. And notice that this is out of place. It sounds out of place. A prophet's not without honor, saving his own country. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him. Well, it sounds like he's accepted here. It sounds like they're going to honor him. As we get on down in here, I believe we'll see exactly what's going on. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him. Having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went into the feast. So Jesus, who just came back from Jerusalem, cleansed the temple, and there may have been miracles that's not recorded here that he done while he was at Jerusalem. But they seen his mighty works, and now Jesus was like a local celebrity. You know, whether we really know somebody or not, if somebody famous is from our county, well, we're proud of that fact. And so that's what they like here, that Jesus is a name. He's somebody that's known and renowned. He's somebody that's working miracles. And we, we want to see what He can do. As long as He's bringing a name to our country, we've not had anybody from here that's ever been known. And now this man Jesus, He's making waves. So they accept Him if you'll have it that way. They heard of Jesus' works in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It came to pass that when Jesus returned, the people gladly received Him, for they were all waiting for Him. Matthew 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought Him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those which had the palsy, and He healed them. And there followed Him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, from beyond Jordan. Why are they following Him? There's going to be a great multitude following Him up till chapter 6. It's the miracles and what Jesus can do for them. That's what brings them in. You know what's amazing? You look at the churches in the United States and just, just do a Google search at the largest churches in the United States. And you know what you're going to find? Places with hundreds of thousands of people that attend meeting in basketball-sized stadiums of churches. You know what kind of doctrine you're going to find there? You can be a better person. You can do it yourself. 
God's going to bless you for it. You can gain money. You can have a blessed life. You can do better. You can gain more. You can enjoy more. You can be happier. That's what man wants. What's going to be done for me? I want to get out of this situation. And so, as Jesus is working these works and miracles, people are flocking to Him from everywhere. But when Jesus begins to teach and preach the gospel of the kingdom of heaven and why He's truly come to do the work of redemption on the cross at Calvary, the multitudes depart and leave Him. And we'll see that as we go. So the people of Samaria, they're drew to Him and they're drawn to Him because of the miracles and the works, not because the Holy Spirit's convinced them. People, somebody gets sick, people are in the church. Somebody's in the hospital. How many times have you heard it? As soon as I get out, if God will let me out, I'll be at the church. I've heard it. I don't know that it's... I don't know that I've ever seen it happen. So what, what are they looking for? Well, we're all right with Jesus when He's helping me with what I need. But there's no interest in following Him. It's fleshly. It's carnal. <clears throat> it's religion. The, the God's truth, that is health and wealth religion is what that is. I want the best for me. I have no interest in giving to the Lord. Once a month is more than enough for me as long as I'm getting what I need out of it. So they had heard what Jesus done at the feast. So Jesus came again unto Cana of Galilee where He made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So here He's come... And he, now he's back. You remember the wedding. The water was made wine. He's back in the same city here. And this nobleman, that, that word means regal, belonging to the sovereign. So this could be a family member of a king or a governor. And he's got a problem. His problem is that his son is sick back at Capernaum. Now remember, Capernaum is one of the towns that's in the county of Galilee. And our county and towns, those, those words may not be correct exactly, but just so we can understand it. So he's in Cana, a town in Galilee, and this man's from Capernaum. And word gets back to Capernaum, Jesus has come back from Jerusalem. He's here. Don't you know this man now? He's got a son who's in the bed, he's sick, we don't know what he's got, but the man realizes and knows he's at the point of death. This is going to kill him. And so when he hears that the Lord is back, here's a means for me to get help for him. Because otherwise there is medicine has no power here. I need to get to the Lord Jesus. There is no medicine that has power to cure the need that's in the soul of man. And so here, he hears that Jesus has come, and when he heard 
went out of Judea into Galilee. He went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, I believe this is about the same time. When he entered into Capernaum after some days, it was noised that Jesus was in the house. Mark chapter 10, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, this is blind Bartimaeus, he began to cry out. So here is Jesus' movements and what's bringing in the crowds in Mark chapter 2, what bring about uh, Bartimaeus' crying out for the Lord is that word gets around. The Lord's in the house. And when it's understood that the Lord is there, that's what brings people in. Now why are they coming? Well, in Mark 2, there's going to be a man carrying, uh, there's going to be four men carrying a man that's uh, paralyzed. He's got palsy. They let him down through the roof and he's going to be healed. Bartimaeus is blind. He desires to have his sight given to him. So, as we look, he besought him for he was at the point of death. And Jesus says, and I believe here, you can see the tie of Galilee in with this man and Jesus' answer to him. Then Jesus said unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Take for these people to believe. They're believing because of signs and wonders. It's like a great magician. He's got all these tricks and he's really talented and that draws in multitudes to see him. I realize Jesus is not a magician. I'm not saying that he was. But it's the same draw. There's no draw. It's not, it's not I am a guilty sinner in danger of the judgment and this is the only man that can forgive and wash away my sins and save my soul. That is not what's going on. That is not what's drawing them. To be saved, is that a requirement? He brought the woman to the law and revealed her sin. But He said, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. In Numbers 14 verse 11, the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have shewed. In Luke 16, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Is another sign what people need? I mean, is that going to save people? Would a great miracle bring people to the Lord that they might be saved? I mean, by the Word of God. Though Lazarus were to rise from the grave and go to the rich man's brothers and testify to them. Now you talk about a sign, an omen, or a prodigy. That's the word that's... That's the definition of the word there. Wonders. You talk about an omen that a man comes out of the grave that has been dead 
and gives testimony, Jesus said if that was to happen, it would not be enough to save them. What have they got? They have Moses and the prophets. The Word of God. And if the Word of God is not enough, they will not be saved. And people say, well, if God would do more. What more can be done? Outside of the persuading power of the Holy Spirit, there is no salvation. There's no miracle or magic trick that can be done that's going to draw man to the Lord. It's going to be just like the Galileans. They'll come and be happy for a season, but when the doctrine gets tight, they leave him alone and go back home. Except you see signs and wonders you will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. So I believe you can see a few things here about the lack of understanding of who and what and the power that Jesus has. He recognizes this. Jesus is His only hope for His Son. Jesus is the only hope for the sins of mankind. He is the only hope. But this man come down, he believes that Jesus' physical presence must be there in order for this to take place. And he has no inclination as to Jesus' ability to raise from the dead. If the young and died, could not Jesus have raised him from the dead? I mean, he's going to do that later. But this man's got no knowledge of these things. But the Lord's going to teach. He's going to reveal what kind of power that he has. And we're out of time. So Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. So there's no great sign great wonder. Jesus is not there in presence. The man sees no evidence that anything's been done. He sees no evidence of healing. He don't have a cell phone. He can't call back home. And it's at least a day's journey. We'll see that as we finish this. All he's got to go on is what Jesus... Is that enough? Is that enough? He didn't say, show me a trick first so that I know what you're saying's right. But believing simply the Word of God. All hearts and minds clear.